This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It is a, a most fascinating story, and I must say it's a beautiful book. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with author Susan Ronald about her new book, The Ambassador, Joseph P. Kennedy at the Court of St. James's, 1938 to 1940. So this book is truly fascinating as Susan shares her opinions backed up by extensive research. And I know many of you would be interested in reading this one. So it has wonderful endorsements from The Wall Street Journal, J. Randy Tarabarelli, and Lawrence Lemer, to name a few. So I'm going to read a little bit about it from her publisher's website right now. Acclaimed biographer Susan Ronald reveals the truth about Joseph P. Kennedy's deeply controversial tenure as ambassador to Great Britain on the eve of World War II. Through meticulous research and many newly available sources, Ronald confirms in impressive detail what has long been believed by many, that Kennedy was a fascist sympathizer and an anti-Semite whose only loyalty was to his family's advancement. Oof. She also reveals the ambitions of the Kennedy dynasty during this period abroad as they sought to enter the world of high society London and establish themselves as America's first family. Thorough and utterly readable, the ambassador explores a darker side of the Kennedy patriarch in an account sure to generate attention and controversy. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Susan Ronald. Susan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited. You're actually my first female author I've had on the podcast, too, which is very exciting. Yeah, I know. It's very good. Um, so start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your writing background. Okay. Um, I was born in Los Angeles. Um, my paternal grandmother was British. I, mar- I married a Brit, so therefore I live in England. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you do. Um, and um, I... Basically, this is my second career. My first career was um, putting together project finance for restoration of historic properties into alternative use. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so I did that for about 20 years. So, um, but I started writing again. I mean, my first book came out in 1984 and it was about growing up in France because I lived in France for six years. So I've lived in Europe most of my adult life. Uh, basically, I moved to England in 1986. So when did your interest of the Kennedys, predominantly Joseph P., begin? Has it been a long-term thing or just sparked from writing this book? Well, obviously, I'm of an age where I can remember when um, JFK was assassinated. I remember very well when Bobby was assassinated. I remember Chappaquiddick. Um, even though at that time I was I was already living in France, I think. Yes, I was at, Ch- at the time of Chappaquiddick. But um, the, the boys have always been of great interest. Um, I think had Jack lived uh, longer and had Bobby become president, America would probably be a very different place. Hopefully a better place. I completely agree. Um, uh, certainly, I think they had they had the right ideas. Whether they would have been able to execute them is, is another story. Um, but so I've always been interested in, in the careers of, of the 
sons. But because I've been in Britain for so long and because I'm good at translating things for Americans about the way of life in Europe, I basically have have been very interested in looking at Americans in Europe generally. And the fascinating thing is that there have been lots of stories about um, American women like Nancy Astor and and, and, uh, also Emerald Cunard, who was from San Francisco. I wrote about Florence Gould, who was in France. Um, So I just felt that the political dimension had been ignored uh, generally speaking, and Americans who were quite active in government in in Britain, obviously Churchill was half American. If his father had been American rather than his mother, uh, he would have been American. So the, the, there's a, there's a great history that hasn't been explored in my point of view, from my point of view. So um, that's really when I became interested. I was looking at a number of different possibilities, but the 1930s are an era that I I find absolutely fascinating and how many people were fooled by Hitler, how many really, really intelligent people were fooled by him. It it brings back memories. Well, that memory brings back the thoughts about the Taliban and what's going to be happening in Afghanistan. You know, I don't believe that a word that they've said. Um, I pray for the people who have believed in the West that some of it's true, at least. Um, but you see, there's there's a, a bit of hope over fact in the 1930s. Um, and oh, if we let Hitler, you know, do what he wants to do in Europe, then everything will be okay. And we treated Germany badly after the First World War, sort of thing. And the person, the the period that's really most important was 1938 to 1940. And who was ambassador, but Joe. Once I started reading about it, and once I started looking into it some more, I saw the tremendous influence that that two-year period had on Jack and and how it made him an internationalist rather than um, somebody who looked inward to America only, which was really his father's um, his thing. So, um, and Jack was inspired by uh, Winston Churchill. I mean, in 19, uh, September 1st, 1939, uh, where was Jack? He was in London. He was in Parliament. He was in Parliament on the 3rd when Britain declared war uh, with his older brother, Joe Jr., and his sister, Kathleen or Kick. So, you know, he, he really understood the rhetoric that Churchill was giving at the time. He saw the importance of it. He didn't think that Britain would win, even with American help. And who blames him? But by the same token, he hadn't quite got the British mentality and that it just the Brits wouldn't give in. They just wouldn't. I mean, at one point, it looked as though uh, the the government here was going to have to go to Canada and be a government in exile in Canada. And that was the last thing that Roosevelt wanted because it would have brought the war to North America. So the things that People were saying against Roosevelt, you know, well, he brought us into the war. He did. There was no choice. You at some point in time, you have to take a moral stand. And what I found so fascinating about the Joe Kennedy story is he thought that democracy was not something worth fighting for. He thought it was over. Whereas Jack and Bobby and and, and also Teddy all believed in democracy. And there, there comes a time when you actually have to say, no, come on, leave, leave us alone or we're going to have to give you guys a good fight. And 
that's what Joe didn't understand. It's what Jack did understand. Jack also understood the errors that the British had made in dealing with Palestine. And yet Joe didn't think that he was an amazing person in terms of his thoughts. Why? Because he was different. He loved it. He loved his son. He didn't understand the internationalist point of view. But, you know, Jack had always been a sickly child, but that made him a reader. And he read all the time and he read history all the time. And, and he, more than any of the others, understood the significance of history and ge- geopolitics. In other words, who's my neighbor? Am I going to fight with him? Am I not going to fight with him? So you know, Jack understood this. Um, and at the end of the day, by 1940, Joe understood that Jack had an insight he lacked. And he turned to Jack to try and help him measure the way that he was talking to Americans about staying out of the war. So it was, it's, a, it's a fascinating period, and it's a wonderful period in the family history as well. Absolutely, it is. And I mean, the amount of research that you had to do to dive into all this, I can't even imagine. Where did you even start with the research process of this book? What were some places you went and archives you studied and things like that to find your sources and information? There's always a question that I have when I begin. Do I start with secondary sources, which are easy, books you can read at home sort of thing? Or do I go straight to the primary? And it it turned out that in this particular case, I had access to new secondary sources, which was essentially, believe it or not, the the diary of the Soviet ambassador had been translated into English in a few years beforehand. And nobody who'd written about Joe Kennedy had access to this in English. And I suddenly saw an entire picture of all of the personalities involved. And um, this the guy's name was Ivan Maisky. And Maisky had been ambassador here for about... 20 years. So he understood the way everything worked. And he was quite a canny operator. He had to be to stay in that kind of position as long as he did, especially when Stalin got got in. Uh, Stalin actually ended up um, putting him in prison for a long time. And the diaries were nearly lost, but they've now been translated into English. But that gave me an insight into Joe that nobody else did. And I said, okay, this is definitely, definitely a goer. Because it's one thing to write, you know, history, but you have to understand how people felt about this person. I then went to, uh, fortunately, <laughs> the most of the uh, FDR library is, most of the crucial documents are now digital. And so that was the second place I went, you know, from, from the comfort of my own home. And um, it was, uh, it was really fascinating to see how many people hated Joe, really hated him. And I say, okay, um, I can make a good story out of this. Oh, and oh, has anybody else written about his ambassadorship? Well, there is one book that um, talks about the Kennedys in Britain, but it's all the Kennedys, and it doesn't include the ambassadorship per se. So I said, okay, I, I think I'm okay on this. And so I made my proposal based on those two things. Then I have a lot of friends who are royal biographers. And so I said, can I get access to George VI's diaries? Oh, sure. You know, just right off to the Royal Archive. So I wrote off to the Royal Archive. It's a process. It takes a long time, but nobody else had done it. 
that made it great. Obviously, I went to the National Archives in College Park in Maryland. I also went to the Kennedy Archive at the Kennedy Library and Museum. And so, you know, there were a lot of original documents uh, as well as, oh, I went to the Library of Congress as well. That's right. Wow. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's you have to just spread your wings and then you know when the time is right to start writing. I found just tons and tons of information. And there were there were a lot of good books about the Kennedys. There are quite a few, as you know. Um, and uh, some of the biographies have about Joe, there's two in particular that uh, came to different conclusions about him than I did. But I don't know that they had the same access to the materials here in Britain that I had. So um, it, you know, what can I say? It's just, it's, a wonderful thing. I, I love the art of writing. So, and research is my big thing. So I, I really enjoy that part of it. That's so amazing. And going off of that, obviously your book is such a very unique look at the family. I mean, I I haven't seen anything like it, like you said. <laughs> As you draw conclusions about Joe that obviously aren't positive, that are kind of opposite of the other biographies that were made, when you set out to make this book and to write it and everything, were you surprised by some of your findings about him? Was it a different look than you expected to find or not so much? Did you Did you know he was kind of that way in the beginning? I remember my parents saying, I was very young uh, in the 1960 election, okay? I remember my parents saying, oh, they've kept Joe Kennedy back because he's anti-Semitic, he's this, he's that, he's the other, but he's financing the election, okay? I mean, I overheard this. I was was an infant almost. Anyway, so I said, you know, I've heard bad things about him. But it was really, funnily enough, it was the Maisky and the Roosevelt um, combination that made me see, okay, so here you have an ambassador from the USSR who thinks the world of Churchill, who thinks the world of Roosevelt, not so sure about Stalin, okay, so he's he's cool, um, and thinks that Joe Kennedy is a laughingstock, okay, so I go, ooh. Oh, that's interesting. Then you got Roosevelt. Said, I'm going to I'm going to kill this man <laughs> if somebody doesn't do something. I, I I don't know what I'm going to do with him. That's once I started to get into the State Department papers. Then it was like, well, he made an enemy of the Americans long before he made enemies in Britain. Within three weeks of getting here, so that's that's the story. So why why did he do this? Why didn't he just shut up? And stop talking all the time and getting people <laughs> upset. <laughs> so, um, and that was that was fascinating. I, I think, from from my own perspective, it's being an American who's naturalized British. It it seemed a natural story for me to write. I was disappointed that Bobby was so young, and it, I wasn't able to include him more. But certainly, Kathleen or Kick and and Jack figure in the story, as does Joe Jr. Joe Jr. wasn't light. He was a bully, um, you know, and and thank goodness that he didn't become president because heaven knows, I keep thinking that the McCarthy era would have happened sooner if he had become president. So uh, it's all it's all fascinating. And because they were at the center of power um, and made things happen, you know, it's, it's a slice of life of what life was like in those days. I think he was he was a fascinating character. He was good and bad. Um, his children adored him, absolutely adored him. 
you know, and his wife put up with his womanizing, bless her. I guess she could only do that by traveling as much as she did because she wasn't a stupid woman. And then also, you know, the boys didn't like the fact that she was such a devout Catholic. The girls were fine with it until, of course, Kathleen decided that she wanted to marry um, Billy Hartington. And then all kinds of problems, of course, emerged because he was Protestant. So I just think it's, it's a wonderful microcosm, as it were. Right. It is. It is. You talk about in the book the lead up to the Kennedy dynasty. What about the Kennedy family, in your opinion, made people so interested at that time? And why are they still so polarizing, in your opinion, to us to this day? Well, first of all, they were, in the, in the words of Marlena Jatrick's daughter, they were wonderful. As a clan, they were just unstoppable. When they entered a room together, they just lit it up. Jack was laid back, lackadaisical, charming, intelligent, knew how to joke with people, knew how to make them feel at ease. He listened to the way Churchill spoke. And if if you see the way that Kennedy was speaking as president or president-elect, you, you can understand the resonance with, with Churchill and, and how he wanted his words to mean something. Anybody who met them just fell in love with them as, as a group. Uh, Maria Riva, who is Marlena's daughter, said, there, there isn't anything more wonderful than the Kennedys. And they could all do toothpaste commercials. <laughs> that, was, that was her big thing. <laughs> um, but there's, there's something magnetic about them. Even Joe, when he was at his worst, there's something magnetic about him. He, he believed in what he was saying, even if it was wrong or even if people would take it badly. He did believe in what he was saying. He wasn't a hypocrite. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that can be said for being plain spoken, but you have to know when not to speak. Uh, kind of going off that too, you know, you can kind of be a fan of somebody, even if they're bad, just like kind of like uh, people are fans of the Joker and Batman, right? So you at the end of this and this process and this research, are you kind of a little bit of a fan of Joe Kennedy or can you not stand him after everything that you read? He became... You know, because when you're writing a biography, okay, mm-hmm. you're living with somebody for an awfully long period of right. time, okay, and and it was it, during the writing, it was in the beginning a love hate relationship. Uh, I I love the fact that he was a financial wizard. I thought that was great. The fact that he was always seeing the next thing to make money. I mean. He left Wall Street in 1927, two years before the crash, knowing the crash was going to come, right goes to Hollywood, talkies are going to come. That's going to be the next big thing, okay? Makes money in Hollywood. Nobody makes money in Hollywood. Um, then he goes to, then he becomes an importer of fine scotch whiskey, just as he's about to become ambassador as well. Makes another fortune. After he's ambassador, he makes the biggest fortune ever in real estate. I mean, the guy just had an amazing touch. So I admired him for that. I admired him for the fact that he wanted to better his lot and his children's lot in the world. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted everybody to be proud of the name Kennedy. And there's nothing wrong in that at all. Okay. What is wrong is if he was creating um, problems in within the the actual administration of uh, foreign policy, which he did, okay, um, and he did within weeks of, of arriving. I mean, 
He came on the 1st of March, 1938. 12 days later, Hitler invades Austria. Okay? Kennedy doesn't understand that it's up to the president and the secretary of state to talk to the American people about this. He actually told Cordell Hull, who is the secretary of state, shut up, I'm going to do it. You're just an ambassador. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't understand these things. And he didn't have the wit to say, okay, I'm not understanding help. Everybody did try to help him in the beginning, but Within two weeks, he'd alienated the State Department. Uh, within the first three months, he'd alienated the president completely. Never mind the British. They, they didn't care at that point. But it became obvious by the first six months that everyone had to work around Joe Kennedy. And, and I found that compellingly sad in in because I think I'd like to think that I'm an empathetic person. <laughs> so I found it really sad in a lot of different ways that he was alienating the very people who had given him this opportunity for no reason, you know, just because he wanted to make his point. The problem, though, then I had the converse reaction, which was the reason why you're saying this is you believe that that democracy doesn't matter and it's at an end. And you're trying to create a semi-fascist state in America. That's wrong. That's bad. And you're a bad man. Never mind, in, in, in some respects, the fact that he was a, a horrific anti-Semite and that he was a fascist sympathizer, which he was. Okay, the, What mattered was that he no longer believed in democracy. And yet he is a representative of the American government, which is the greatest democracy in the world. He didn't understand that it was America's duty to try and help the other two great democracies, which were France and Britain at the time, to remain independent from Hitler. And, and so I suppose you could say great men have great faults, but it went beyond being a great fault. It, it was a mantra that made no sense morally. And that's where uh, I began to dislike him. So long-winded way of saying I admire some bits. I intensely dislike others. I understand some other problems that he was having. But at the end of the day, he was the wrong man in the right job at the right time. Well said. <laughs> Very well said. Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I cannot thank you enough. This has been so wonderful. And you can all get this book and you should get this book because it is thrilling and amazing in the direct link in the description of this episode. So you don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it five stars and write a positive written review on Apple Podcasts. Check out all the links in the show notes and I will talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, 
the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.